0: Lone Star Latter-day Saint Voices, a podcast dedicated to conversations with members of The Church of Jesus Christ of Latter-day Saints right here in North Texas. So settle up, y'all, and enjoy the ride. This week I've been talking to 97-year-old Fort Worth resident Jim Milan of the Bucketless Jazz Band and his secret to a long and happy life. No one can close in on the century mark without everyone wanting to know how he managed his happily ever after. His answer may surprise you. Fame American author Louis L'Amour in his novel Lonely on the Mountain might have been thinking of Jim when he wrote, There will come a time when you believe everything is finished. That will be the beginning. For the once upon a time of this new beginning, you have to go way back, 50 years or more back, to when Jim first embarked on a musical treasure hunt Little knowing his quest would consume half a lifetime, it all began with the perfect set of Dixieland Jazz charts.
1: I'd heard this album in the early 50s by a guy named Maddie Matlock. Maddie Matlock was a clarinet player and he was a good clarinet player. He, the best, one of the best big bands whose music was flavored Dixieland was a guy named Bob Crosby. Now, you're probably not old enough to know Bing Crosby, but Bing Crosby was the big star of trying stage screen and radio all through the 30s, 40s, 50s. Well, Bob was his brother. And Bob did some movies and he also sang. And there was a band that was organized, and, and uh, but the, the leader decided to quit. The guys stayed together and organized as a corporation. This is very unusual, but they were incorporated. And they needed a leader for the band, just to show the front. The guy could sing the song, and so they hired Bob Crosby. So he never owned the band, but he was just the front man. Everybody thought it was his band. The, the arrangers on the band, one of them was Maddie Matlock, and then there were two others who were equally good at and important. So uh, when the war came along and the Crosby band just folded, it never came back together again. And the big band stayed together up, up until the early 50s and then they kind of just drifted off. So it was in the middle 50s that I heard this album by Matty Matlock. He was the arranger now for the Bob Crosby band. And uh, what was unusual about it were, were a band like Crosby's or Glenn Miller, any of those, they always had at least three or four trumpets, three or four trombones, five saxes piano, bass, drums, and guitar. They all had the big band. Each section was a section. They could play four-part harmonies separately because they had enough parts. The unusual thing about Matty's stuff, he used 10 people with six horns as opposed to 10 or so. He had two trumpets, two trombones, baritone sax, and a clarinet. And he arranged for that group and made it sound like a 16-piece band. And that's what impressed me first, the big sound it got with a few guys. The other thing was this album. He took a, I think there were 23 standard Dixieland tunes, and I, I'd have to get a list to show you the names, but they all ended in blues. And he, he arranged this, these 23 tunes in his typical Dixieland style. You just have to hear it. What impressed me was the sound he got, and also it, it just, just made you feel good, just happy. And I just, I, I thought if I could just play a couple of those charts. I mean, just to add the final play, it must be a real lot of fun to be able to play those things. This was in the 50s. And as I went along, I thought, I wonder if I could find the arrangements. Typically, when a band was good enough to have a pretty good selling album, you probably could find some of the, some of the tunes that were successful coming out as stock arrangements where you just buy an arrangement of it pretty cheap. And, you know, and, for just guys that had bands in local towns, just on occasion. But there wasn't anything of Maddie's out there. I listened to that album all the time. I reduced it to tape so I could play in the car. Before we had tapes, I had a little tape, tape, tape player, you know, and I was serious about it. I was so serious that I decided one time, well, I'll, I'll see if I can't find the arrangements. So I, I exhausted every road or avenue I had. Finally, I got, got on the phone and called the Musicians Union in Los Angeles, where he lived only to find out that he was dead. And I said, what about his wife? And she's dead, too. I was thinking, well, maybe she's alive I can buy some charts for her. So that ended that. Well, not
0: exactly. The hope may have died then, but the dream of playing Matty Matlock's charts persisted for Jim, a lifelong jazz musician of no small repute himself. He continued to play in bands of varying genres for the next few decades, but Maddie's arrangements always played in his heart. And when he reached the venerable age of 87, and he began to think maybe everything was finished, he and his beloved wife, Karen, were on a road trip to Chicago to visit a newly born grandchild when Karen reset the clock.
1: Karen has a weird sense of humor. She said, You're 89? with the photo was, yeah. Well, have you done everything you're going to do? Like, you're not going to live much longer. You know that, don't you? I said, Well, that's not a very nice thing. <laughs> I said, Well, yeah, I've pretty much done everything I want to do, but I would like to play those charts, just, just a couple of just to play them. This is, this is true. I'm, you know." And she said, Well, why don't you? And I said, I can't find them. She looked some more. I said, I don't know where to look. I said, if I did find it, it would be expensive. Don't work that. Just go do it. Well, I guarantee it was, but a couple of weeks later, I was driving somewhere, and I, I think I probably had the Denton station on because they played jazz all day. you know. And the guy whose bad record they were playing played one of these arrangements, Bill Allred, which I recognized immediately. And I also recognized the guy's name because he's a trombone player from Davenport, Iowa, which is down thirty miles down the river from where I lived. But I'm 25 years older than he is. But he's a really good trombone player, really you really know top top jazz player. I said I emailed him when I got home. I looked for all my gosh, got his email address. I emailed. him. I said, where'd you get the arrangements? And he said I bought them from the estate. If he bought them from the Maddie's son, and I said, well. Out of the circumstances, would you sell me some copies? He said, well, I hadn't thought about that. Let me think about it. He called me back the next day. He says, yeah. What do you want? So I ordered four of them. And there were, the, in my opinion, the four swingingest charts. <laughs> yeah. And uh, uh, now I got to get a band together.
0: And that, my friends, was the birth of Jim Milan's Bucket List Jazz Band. Composed entirely of senior citizens, the average age being 75, the Bucketless Jazz Band has been playing in Fort Worth, mainly at the shipping receiving bar, for the last 10 years. Some new beginning, huh? So, what was it like, Jim, starting up a band at age 89?
1: Well, look at this. Uh, we've been together now, I think, about eight years. They've all got the idea that they're on a mission that the music they play hasn't been played it, in the style that it, it just doesn't get played anymore. I mean, who's gonna hire, hire a 10 piece Dixieland jazz band? You know, I mean, you, you start with about $2,000, you might get the job, but nobody's gonna do that. Yeah, I've always been kind of slanted toward Dixieland because it's just it's just happy and it's open and it's, it's just fun. It, it, you know, sometimes jazz gets kind of, they stretch your point with uh, harmonies and, and uh, Dixieland was, was was a form of jazz. Jazz is nothing but improvisation, but it swings. And I can't tell you about swinging other than it just does. You know, you do, ba, do, de, do, 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 that kind of thing. You know? But Dixieland, you know, with, uh, these arrangements, they are just so well-written, and they just swing. You know, people sit there and listen, and they just smile. It, I really believe this. Coming to hear us play on a Tuesday night and leaving at 9.30, when you walk out the door, you're just happy. And it's just happy jazz.
0: There's a theme developing here that's hard to miss, happiness. Jim Milan is that rare creature in this world, a happy man, affable, good-natured, and kind. But while music has been his life's passion, this Iowa native will be the first to tell you it is not the wellspring of his contentment. He found that in faith and family. Jim moved to Fort Worth nearly 70 years ago, met his wife, Karen, and joined the Church of Jesus Christ of Latter-day Saints.
1: Actually, I was raised as a Catholic, and uh, I was a Catholic all through World War II, and and in my first marriage in 1950, I had questions. I, was, I did everything I was supposed to do, but I just had some questions that didn't come out right, and uh, it finally just evolved, and I uh, just didn't go back one Sunday. I've been a musician all the time in Fort Worth, playing in bands, <clears throat> and it's amazing what an impact music has had on every, no matter where I've been, and uh, one of the guys, uh, Lou Gillis, was a, he uh, was an arranger, conductor, and he, he, he would get bands together for whatever occasion, and he always called on me. That's kind of nepotism, but it worked out all right. Because I'm really not that good. I can. I'm a good jazz player, I think. But that's the improvisation. But reading, I'm a little slow. But I get by. Anyway, Lou had a deal in Oklahoma City to put a band together for uh, Eddie Arnold. Eddie Arnold. Well, at one time, everything he recorded was a hit. Well, he would come around to county fairs and stuff like that, and he always used a band. He, he, he's just a guitar picker and singer, but he always used a big band. So we did three of those things for him. And anyway, we are going to do a show in the auditorium up there, and it, and it was supposed to start at 8 o'clock, the over 10. Lou said, I'm going to get a bus. It was a 14-piece band. I get a bus. Wives and girlfriends were both, you know, and i uh, would have a party on the way up. And, and it was a lot of fun. This is several years after my wife had died, and I was kind of between ways and uh who called and said i just got word from that the they sold out the performance the eight o'clock show so they're going to move it up to seven and do a 10 o'clock so so we're going to have two shows we a little later well anyway i had asked lou's wife who was i was the best man at their wedding and and karen was in the wedding that was part of it. i said uh have you got somebody that's you know, on a task that you'd like to have go along because you, you know, you'll have somebody that well, we're rehearsing or well you, you know She said, Well, what about Karen? Oh, I I knew who she was. I said, Well, I did you know, I didn't know she was available. So I called her, would you like to do this? She was teaching school at the time here at Pascal. She didn't even think twice, it was a Thursday night. And she said, Yeah, I'd like to do that. I said, Well, we won't get home at one o'clock or so. This is before I knew about the second show. I said, We won't get back till probably once. That's fine. I had to tell her, if you don't want to go, I understand, but you won't get home, till four (laughs) o'clock. Oh, let's do it. Okay, so that's how we got together. And that went on for a year and a half or so. But she was a member of the church, and I wasn't. But I noticed what she didn't do. She didn't drink, she didn't smoke, she didn't, you know. But the one thing I did notice when uh, I'd be over here, you know, I'm really pressing hard. This is too good a deal to pass up, you know, because she's beautiful and smart. I thought she had a lot of money too, but she didn't. <laughs> but at any rate, uh, I realized, I was, I was over here helping her grade papers, anything I could do to make a little time, you know. But I always noticed that it, when we get into a conversation, we, we always talk, we didn't just small talk. Uh, and everything she talked about, I liked the way she's her answers, you know. I, I noticed that. But I didn't know she, she was a member of the Church of Jesus Christ of Latter-day Saints. I didn't know that. She didn't drink. She didn't smoke. A lot of people don't drink and smoke, you know. And finally, it came out. And, uh, and, and even then, she, she just figured I was not the type. You can tell what I'm telling you, that I'm not the type. Anyway, she didn't come on too strong about the church. I finally had to say, can I go to church with you this Sunday? I'd like to see what it's all about. How about that? Missionaries delight, right? Well, we were on 7th Street, and, uh, and we went in, and uh, this the uh, truth. There was one room, it was the chapel and the rec hall and the whole thing, all in one. There was a window without stained glass. There were just set up chairs. And this is the truth. I sat in and sat down and I knew this was exactly where I was supposed to be. You know? And as it went on, I think what was happening, i uh, the spirit was working on me, but, but what really I noticed was that, that the people all seemed to have it figured out. There didn't seem to be any... Nothing phony going on, no contention, nothing like that. Not that there is in any other church, but it's just so obvious. So that got me in the church. Of course, I was helped a lot. I didn't go to join the church thinking she'd marry me, but I thought, well, this might be a good thing. But I, the church by itself was a good thing, so, you know, the rest is history.
0: And what a history it is. Jim and Karen have been married for 47 years and have four children two grandchildren, and four great-grandchildren.
1: And they're all brilliant. I hate to have to brag a little, but <laughs> they are brilliant. I don't know why I'm so blessed. I really don't.
0: Well, I have a fair idea. And Jim's secret to a happy life?
1: If, he, if the Lord's got a plan for me, I should have figured it out by now, you know? I think it's maybe just to the bucket list, yes, band. Why not? You know, maybe I'm doing some good with that.
0: We've been talking to Jim Milan of the Bucket List Jazz Band. You can catch him most Tuesday nights at 7.30 at the Shipping and Receiving Bar in Fort Worth, Texas. Now Let's listen to the Bucket List Jazz Band swing as we put out the fire and call in the dogs. Good night, everybody.